Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 53, All Square at Anfield. James towards Havertz! It's a brilliant header from Kai Havertz, who loops it over Allison, and it's Chelsea who make an explosive start! Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. Jack, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. A uh, bit bit tired after a long, long old journey yesterday, but considering the uh, the sending off, I think that's a really good point for us. Um, yeah, and stands us in good stead going forward for sure. Yeah, we will get in to the game a bit later. Obviously, Jack was at Anfield, which we will discuss. And joining us, returning to the pod, it's Dean Mears. Dean, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. No worries, Dean. Love having you on. Now, as always with guests, I get themselves to give themselves a little plug. And obviously, Dean is part of the Chelsea Fancast. He's a writer, you know, he for CFC UK. He writes uh, the Fancast blog. And he also does a podcast on the Chelsea women's team. So, Dean, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find all your work and, you know, your brilliant podcast, Went to Mokings Meadow, talking about Chelsea women's team. Yeah, as Nick said, I'm sort of part of the Chelsea fan class, so on there, sort of whenever I can be. Um, I also write for them, uh, sort of try and do it weekly, but as it as it comes out, it comes out. Um, you'll find all my stuff at Dean Mears on Twitter. Uh, went to Mo Kings Meadow, you'll find as part of the Chelsea fan class podcast. So if you subscribe to them, uh, it comes through their feed when we record. Uh, the Twitter for that is at Mo Kings Meadow. And I also do some you know, women's pieces for the CFCW social as well. So you can check out their website and, and the work there. Yeah, nice one. All those links will be in the description below. Now, before we get into the Liverpool game, which has a lot to discuss, you know, it was quite a busy, busy week for Chelsea. The Champions League draw happened. We were drawn with Juventus, Malmo and Zenit St. Petersburg. Jack, just quick thoughts on that group. You know, pretty pretty happy with that and probably one of the best, you know, groups we could have got considering some of the teams in pots, you know, two and four. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at, for example, Liverpool's draw, I think they've uh, 
he's dealt a pretty, pretty difficult one. So for sure, we should be, in my opinion, we should be topping that group, especially with Juve losing Ronaldo and going back to United. And I saw they, they lost to Empoli 1-0 yesterday, just been promoted. So um, I don't think there's any excuses there. So it shouldn't be a repeat of uh, last time after we won the Champions League. We should be going through uh, and hopefully progressing deep into the competition again. Yeah, Dean Quick, thoughts on the draw? Pretty happy with that? Yeah, can't complain with that. I think Juventus aren't really the team we think they used to be anymore and worth remembering that we're the best team in Europe. So, you know, anyone should be fearing facing us rather than the other way around. Yeah, no, exactly. Part of a Champions League draw and the long, you know, if you watch the draw, you will know how long and drawn out it is. Uh, part of that is due to the UEFA awards. And, you know, Chelsea nearly cleaned up completely. You know, my opinion, you know, one of Rudiger Azpilicueta, more likely Rudiger was robbed uh, of a defender, you, you know, UCL Defender of the Year award. But alas, Edouard Mendy won the Goalkeeper Award, N'Golo Kante the Midfield Award, Thomas Tuchel the Coach Award, and Dean, Jorginho, the best, the UEFA Award for Best Player. Um, you know, that you was appear- surprised, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Me? No, I, I could never be surprised at Jorginho winning such an accolade. I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans, didn't you know? Um, but no, obviously, I know you are a big Jorginho fan and you have been, you know, you have always you've been a staunch defender of, of Jorginho. But, you know, credit to him. He's been he has been the man of 2021. He has had an exceptional 2021 and, and validation for, for all his efforts, isn't it, Dean? Yeah, absolutely. And people say you sort of sorry, leaving was the best thing to happen for him. Actually, it's Thomas Tuchel coming in. Uh, and implemented a system which, you know, hides his frailties, which everyone knows he's got, and accentuates, you know, the qualities he has got. And he can be, you know, as we see in some of those big Champions League games, you know, the best player on the pitch. And, you know, he's obviously blessed to be on alongside N'Golo Kante, who, who deservedly won the Champions League award. Uh, but obviously, Jorginho's is for all of UEFA's competitions, so including the Euros, which he was, you know, fantastic in. And I've always, so I've always seen the talent that's there, and he's not always been played in a way that gets the best out of him. He often got left, you know, with forwards running at him, which you know is suicide if you're a you know a team with Jorginho at the base in midfield. But you know, what Tuchel's done has been superb, and even the recent quotes on him that he made has, has turned you know people like Stanford cheered into Jorginho fans. Uh, and I've heard on the pod recently, you know, a lot of Jorginho praise. So yeah, I've been loving it. But yeah, he's <laughs> the man at the moment right now and you know he fully deserves it in my opinion no exactly couldn't couldn't agree more and yeah big up to Jorginho he is certainly you know it only took him winning helping winning Chelsea for Champions League to to get a load of people on side but no credit credit to him you know I I'm, I'm delighted I've been proved very much wrong on on Jorginho and he's been exceptional you know Jack quick word N'Golo Kante and Ed uh, winning midfielder of the year Edward many goalkeeper year and Thomas Tuchel the coach award you know pretty you know pretty nice to get those recognition there as well yeah definitely all of them fully deserve Mendy when you see the story of him how they said he was like going to the job centre was gonna uh, give up football a few years ago and look at him now coming to the Champions League his Champions League like debut season with Chelsea and kept nine clean sheets I think on the way to winning winning the trophy and was was a, a a big influence in us winning that made some big big saves throughout the competition then everyone knows what N'Golo does uh, he's <laughs> he's just the best at it about um, so I don't need to go into any more about that and then 
Tuchel's just shown since he's since he's come to Chelsea. Like he said in his first interview, we we're going to be make a team that's going to be difficult to beat, and he's fully done that. Tra- transformed our defence, and he's starting to get our attack ticking. So uh, we just hope that it's going to continue, and we can we can um, take it into the into the English league, and hopefully go and um, retain the Champions League because that would be that would be quite something. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It was a very you know just a very nice you know week for Chelsea. Uh, we're going to move on to the Liverpool game. Jack was at Anfield. Lucky boy. Uh, I gave my ticket up. Um, but Jack, you know, just talk to me, obviously, you know, just, you know, because obviously now we're back at the games, we sort of get to give people sort of just a sort of a slight experience of what it's like. So talk to me, you sort of just a quick journey to Liverpool. How was it? How was it just being, you know, at Anfield, um, the atmosphere, etc.? Yeah, no, quality. Great to be back. Um, obviously, I did Porto for the final but before that the last away game I did was with you Nick when we went to went to the Emirates um, so yeah nice to do a Premier League one and a long long old day I tell you that so it was like meeting in London at nine we we got a mini bus up with with uh, there was 16 of us on the mini bus um, I knew about four or five of the boys but then they got mates in that, that they know etc so that was quality just to get get to know more more people that support Chelsea and whenever you go to games in the future, um, you'll be able to speak to them, etc. things like that. Um, just to get to know more of the CFC family, basically. Um, then our, our bus driver was actually a Chelsea fan as well. So he was absolutely loving it uh, on the way up. And one of the boys, one of my mates, JR, actually managed to sort him a spare on the way up. So he came to the game with us and everything. So I think his... his uh, we pretty much made his made his month probably there, um, and then yeah, just just great in the away end. You know what the away ends are always like, um, just just going off completely. All the all the fans, great atmosphere. Um, less so for the uh, for the Liverpool fans. Thought they were pretty quiet apart from when they scored. Um, but yeah, no, just great great to be back and and just yeah, just pretty much just soak up that kind of atmosphere and. And, and really just appreciate being able to go to these kind of games. So, yeah, great, great day out. Yeah. Dean, you know, the man who put us 1-0 up, old Roman, do you know that's worth? Kai Havertz is the best <laughs> on earth. A looping header. But Dean, man, Kai, you know, Kai Havertz, he is now starting to come to the front of Chelsea. You know, big. he's, he's sort of turned up the back end of last season, sort of continued into this season. He's looking like a proper player, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I remember sort of my first time on the pod review was after the Leeds game, and I said that Leeds made him look lazy. And you know, he's come so far from from that. And you know, he, he probably is the best on earth. The song's right. Um, a criminal from Liverpool to leave him, you know, that much space in the area because he's he's so you know tall and and bigly built. Uh, and I thought it was a surprise sort of when you guys saw him in the flesh sort of for the first time. But it was for me. I just felt the size of him. But, you know, he's growing into the team. The front three worked well. I think there's still more to come for a few times. There's just the wrong passes being played where someone's not making a run. They're maybe expecting them to, but, you know, it's all coming and what a team we've got. Yeah, no, nah, exactly, exactly. Brilliant start. And, you know, sending Jack into delirium in the away and say, well done, Kai. Um, and, you know, things were looking rather good. As you said, there were sort of missed opportunities to sort of, go further ahead, but we were in relative control. And then a moment of madness. 
moment of madness. And I'm not even, I'm not even, you know, we'll get onto the penalty. But, but Jack, you know, we've, you know, we have just praised Edward Mendy, you know, in the build up there, you know, winning the UEFA goalkeeper award. But what were him and Marcus Alonso doing, man? That was schoolboy. Yeah, yeah, fully schoolboy. I mean, we, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss the uh, red card and penalty in a second, but if that doesn't happen, we, we're not discussing it. We're creating our own problems there. And that, that leads to Reese getting sent off and us conceding a goal. And it's just, it's just rookie stuff. Um, in, in my opinion, it's, it, I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it? Um, you know, I can't see any cameras or hear, hear the players shouting, etc. But in that circumstance, if I was a fullback playing and you hear your goalkeeper shout, it's their ball, you wouldn't jump jump as much and head that you try and sort of get out of the way or hope that he comes and properly claims it. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say it was, was Mendy's fault, but still just, yeah, just a complete uh royal mix up really wasn't it yeah no exactly you know pains me to say that was sort of perhaps the type of defending we would see under frank it was just very <laughs> it was just it just reminded me of that there was just seemed to be no communication it just seemed very amateur hour and i think we might have not exactly in that fashion but we conceded i think a soft like goal we lost five three from a corner at anfield under frank in the end of 1920 so it did sort of sort of just bring memories back of that but obviously dean you know as a result of that Reese James clears the ball off the line with his hand and gets sent off. You know, obviously goes to VAR. Now, look, I don't have I've spoken to you about this. I think the fairly common consensus is it is a penalty. Not maybe because of initially what happens, but I think there is sort of a swing and perhaps a sweep swinging sort of motion with his arm afterwards. But for you, is it a red card? Oh, it's never a red card in anyone's sort of laws of the game you know it's accidental it is a penalty um because it, it does stop the ball going in in the next it's going in even though it deflects off his fire but what can what can reese james do in that situation apart from cut his own arm off before the ball hits it it's, it's just nonsense and then the fact that he doesn't watch the video on var he goes over and it's already finished the video and he turns around and sends him off it's just you know anthony taylor in a nutshell um you know, one or two mistakes, you can sort of say human error, three or four, you're questioning whether this guy is competent. The level that he's at, you're questioning if, you know, he's corrupt, if he's being paid, <laughs> or if there's just no brain in there whatsoever. I don't get how he's still refereeing big games. It's not just Chelsea as well. There's a video where he's a few matches not involving Chelsea. He's making, you know, stupid errors. I just don't understand it. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, it's a tough one. Yeah, and look, I'm not an expert on the laws of the game. And if the laws like state that, like, you know, I don't know if it's different if you're like on the goal line, etc., and you're stopping it, if it, you still get double jeopardy, I'm not going to go. But I think the point of it is that that decision got made a bit too quickly for my liking. That was kind of my main takeaway from it. But anyway, Salah scores. You know, he scores a pen. It's 1 1. But I want to kind of talk about what happened after that because obviously there was a fear and I feared but we were going to lose our heads because in the immediate aftermath that Mendy gets booked, Rudiger gets booked and you're kind of thinking, not, not I wasn't thinking immediately back to what happened when we lost to uh, West Brom when we had someone sent off and we capitulated but I was thinking, right, I, I am very worried now about how we're going to react to this but Jack, credit to them after sort of weathering Liverpool's sort of early storm in the second half that was relatively under control from us. You know, that was a relatively comfortable for five minutes. 
and we actually played, you know, we were still brave enough to go for that winning goal. And, you know, we did actually probably create one of the best chances of that second half with Kovacic. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first five, ten minutes of that second half, I thought, God, this is this is going to be a long old day, this, this. But, um, no, and then after that, honestly, I think the next time I looked up at the clock, it was like 79 minutes. And I was like, God, we've only got 10 minutes here. And to be honest, I wasn't really that worried. They weren't really testing us that much. Mendy made a couple of good saves, but nothing, nothing really to really get me on the edge of the seat thinking we're, we're definitely going to lose here. And yeah, Rom had a chance as well. Um, and then cover is the one player you don't want that ball falling to there. Um, but yeah, we the way we defended in that second half, all of them was absolutely quality. Um, and then going forward, even even Alonso with ten men, he was at times really the only one getting forward, supporting Lukaku up there. Um, so he's that boy's come a long, long way and. Us get getting rid of Emerson instead of him and keeping him, I think, is testament to him where where we thought he'd at the end of Frank was just completely frozen out and and gonna get sold for peanuts at the end of the season. So um massive shout out to him. Um and then yeah, apart from the miss, I thought Cover as well, that second half when he came on was was really, really good. Um just the way he pick up the ball in, in tight spaces and actually drive forward with it. Because so at some points I felt in that second half, we were almost just lumping it long and it was just going to Van Dyke and Matip every time and they're just recycling it and it's coming back at, at us straight away. But um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant second half performance and, and a great point away from home. Um, when, when, you're, when you're picking up points away from home at big, big six teams, um, and then you you leaving yourself at home to go and win those games that will be will be right up there if we can do that against all the other big six teams. And I've seen I've seen the record of Tuchel in his last last few games I think against the against the so called big six and obviously beat Arsenal two 0 last week, beat City two one at the end of the seat last season, beat Liverpool one 0 and beat Spurs one 0 So if we're keeping up form like that and then we can beat them at the Bridge, we'll will be right up there challenging the big boys. Yeah, Dean. So I just want to sort of, you know, sort of bring in sort of focus on a few players. Obviously, I think you have to give huge props to Andreas Christensen, who won man of the match again. He was pretty immense. Rudiger again, just is just immense. Uh, as P in his 300th Premier League game, he was he was solid, you know. But I say I do want to sort of focus on, on Kovacic because obviously we lost Kante at halftime as well. That's why Kovacic was on. And, um, you know, Kovacic was playing with Jorginho and there is a fear when those two play together, but also when they're playing against a team like Liverpool and that there were, you know, times where it was a bit, bit hairy and scary, but I think a huge amount of credit does have to go to Mateo Kovacic for the way he just got into the pace of the game straight away and the impact he had because he was, he was huge and, and not, you know, having a dig at Jorginho, that was perhaps one of Jorginho's weaker games that we've seen recently. time. Jorginho was perhaps not just quite at the levels we've seen at the start of the season so far as well. Yeah, I think when you're seeing sort of Kante go off at half time, you're worrying sort of anyway, not just because you know Kovacic is coming on, you know, because he's a great player, but you're missing you know the legs and the energy of Kante against you know an extra player. But you know, fair play to him. The actual one of the, the best skills he's got is the ability to you know break lines by dribbling with the ball from midfield, and that actually really helped in a lot of situations 
where he finally got Lukaku up front on his own against you know Van Dijk and Matip, as you said. So the, the fact that he could do that with the ball, ease some of the pressure. You know, Jorginho took a knock in the game as well, so he had to, to battle for alongside him. But you know, he, he's one player of the year, Kovacic before. He sort of seems to have lost his place. And then looking at signing another midfielder, you're wondering, you know, what's going to happen to him. But he's shown that he can be called upon, you know, in big games and big moments. Uh, like Jack said, you know, points like that, you know, huge. And actually, you know, if it's 11 v 11, I think Chelsea win this game quite comfortably. But the fact that we went down to 10 and we got the point, I think that does more for us over the course of the season than, you know, a win, a win does. I think that the team will get so much from this, you know, going forward in, in big games that they know that even with 10 men, then going to struggle to create chances and, you know, Tuchel's a defensive master in setting his team up to, to not concede shots, let alone goals. Yeah, they're just, you know, so tough to beat. And, you know, I think Klopp moaned after the game that Chelsea weren't adventurous enough with 10 men and you're sort of scratching your head, wondering if he actually said that out loud or or what. But, you know, no one wants to play Chelsea and that's what Tuchel said he was going to do. Yeah, I also just want to... Quick word to Thiago Silva, you know, his first minutes yeah. of the season, just coming back. And again, I thought he just looked, you know, he just slotted back in seamless team, was right right back on it as well. Yeah, and a huge, huge game as well. And yeah, he, the way the bloke reads the game at 36 years old um, just makes it look so, so easy. Um, and yeah, he's just a massive, massive asset for us to have as a team going into into another season. I don't think he'll, he'll feature as much this season. Looks like Christensen's uh, pretty much set on that middle centre-back spot but he's shown when he's called upon he, he'll deliver the goods and and that's what we need because we're going to have a lot of games this season Champions League the Cups uh, Club World Cup etc so yeah great great to see him carrying on carrying on the form from last season yeah no exactly right going to move on to some questions because the questions allow us to sort of talk about one of one a topic you know that's sort of arisen sort of from this and I'm going to go to that question now from Dan Hill is first of you know, put two questions goes is that performance a champion performance because Jack to me that before as he said you know and there is a question about from RJ later on is that missed opportunity but that performance in circumstances at you know at Anfield against Liverpool a team that you know you'd think right, but one team you obviously don't want to go down to, to ten men against. Mm-hmm. But, but you saw it felt sort of felt like you saw a lot of minerals. I want to say as the word to that team, a team that you know in the past we'd have feared a collapse. In the past, that team yeah. probably would have collapsed. But that felt, as I said, maybe a missed opportunity, but also in the circumstances, that felt honestly, I felt like a win to me anyway. But I don't know your thoughts. Yeah, no. Definitely. I mean, you you can look at the missed opportunities. Mason probably should have scored. Probably could have tried to go with his maybe go with his right foot instead of his left because he sort of drew it across the goal. But when you're going down to ten men at half time, I think if you asked all the uh, away fans down in down in the bar, would you take a point now? A lot of them would have uh, snapped your hand off for that. So for us to go and do that. At a team like Liverpool, you know the quality they've got up top. Someone like Jota's on on brilliant form this season. Salah can create something out of nothing. Mane, uh, Thiago, they've got all of these top, top world-class players. Um, for us to not really concede too many chances against them with 10 men's just testament to to um, 
to Thomas Tuchel and how well he's done with these boys since he since he's come in. And uh, I mean, I completely agree. I think that's that's really shown that we we can go all the way this season. Um, obviously, just hopefully touch with no no big injuries, but I think. I think we can definitely go all the way after watching that. And I think a lot of the fans will have felt that in that away end too. Yeah. Dean, for you, is that a sort of the sign of a champion's performance? Like, I want to be champion's performance, you know, standing up in face of adversity. Yeah, I think if you're complaining about missed opportunity there, I think you're a bit too spoiled. Um, you know, not many teams go to Anfield and win. You know, I think they just, what was it, three years they just went before they lost sort of that five in a row when they had the injury crisis. You know, Anfield's incredibly tough, especially for Chelsea, because they, they really don't like us just as much as we don't like them. Um, but yeah, when we win the league in May, I think we'll look back at this game uh, as a big moment in the season, even though we're three games in. And that's when, not if. Love it, love it. Um, next question, I'll sort of link these sort of two in. Connor, thoughts on Andreas Christensen and his amazing run from that Barcelona game to now, and Dan sort of second up, how good is Andreas Christensen? Jack, I know we kind of touched on it briefly at the start, but that's back-to-back man of a match displays at Anfield now for Andreas Christensen. And yeah. as I said, he started the season so well that we're not, you know, it got to a point like we're not even fearful of, you know, missing Thiago Silva. No, not at all. And if you said that uh, 12 months ago, I think uh, a lot of fans would have would have just laughed pretty much at that um, and said you're clueless. So... It just shows how how quick your circumstances in football can change. This time last year, Zuma was the the main partner with with Thiago Silva, and fast forward fast forward twelve months, and and he's been sold to West Ham for thirty million quid. So, um, yeah, but for Andreas, he's he's just imperious there. Honestly, he's reads everything. He's he's been a lot more aggressive, something that we like to criticise of him in in, in the past. And yeah, uh, he, he really has been an unsung sung hero since since Tuchel took over, and I hope he just keeps going from strength to strength because he's he's always had the ability. I remember when he was in the in the youth teams, they always used to rave about how good he was, and it seems like it's just starting to click for him, and he's starting to starting to make his way to the top of the game. Yeah. Nice one, exactly. Andreas Christensen, immense. And obviously, you mentioned Kurt Zoom there. He has left to West Ham. Uh, thank you, Kurt. You know, given, I think, the inj- that horrible injury he had against Man United, I was there. The first thing he heard was that shriek. It was horrible. The way he's bounced back from that has been very admirable. I think he can look back at his Chelsea career with a lot of pride of what he went on to achieve. So, no, all the best to Kurt Zuma. Uh, next question, RJ. Upon reflection, do you think this was a point gained or two drop given the second half as a spirited effort? For the first half, we weren't clinical with our chances created, etc. D, I know this is we sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I, 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 I do really get this question because we also you also said earlier if we knock down to if we don't get sent off, you think we go on and win that game? So is it is it you know a case of one point gain, two point drop? How do you how do you kind of view it all? It's it's quite it's one point gained. I, I I know the point that you know there is a chance there that you, you if it's not Kovacic probably someone scores that you want probably Alonso, which is weird to say in that situation on the pitch. Um, but yeah, down to ten minute Anfield against Liverpool. Uh, as Jack said, you know supporters will take a point at half time all day long. So 
you know, you got to, if you look from the positive side, the players will be doing that. That you know, they 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 stood up defensively, they stood up to Liverpool, they didn't give them the opportunities, and we even created chances ourselves. So we know that when we've got eleven men on the pitch, we're going to create chances, we're going to score goals, and you know, even you know, the top teams can't sort of bully us when we're we're down to ten men. So you know, take the positive, RJ. Yeah, nah, exactly, exactly. Look, I do think you know pre pre the incident, I think there was the opportunity to be more than one nil up. It is going to be. Yeah. It has been a common theme we've seen in this team. But look, before the game, I I did predict a one all draw. Uh, I said I commented around a few people who did previews on Twitter, etc. I felt it would be a one one draw. You know, given how well you know how come fairly comfortable we were at one nil up, maybe it is a bit frustrating. But then when you get something like that go against you, I think you've got to look at it as one point gained, especially as we were down to, you know, we were playing 45 minutes or so with, with 10 men. And yeah, that exactly. And we had, you know, that we had to sub Kai at halftime, et cetera. It was, you know, the chances of winning, you know, dwindled massively. So, you know, the spirit we saw in that second half, there were just a lot of positives. And, you know, I think, you know, credit to Mendy and Alonso, I think they sort of made up for that sort of clang room the first half with their performances in the second half. So no, I definitely... I definitely do view it as one point game, but obviously I completely understand why there is people perhaps seeing that it is a missed opportunity, but look, it's Liverpool away. And regardless of maybe Liverpool not at the same level they were a couple of years ago, I think they probably will be in the title race this year. And I think, you know, one point away at Anfield, you're never going to be too disappointed with. Um, no, yeah, we're definitely celebrating that at full time, I tell you that. Big, yeah. big result. And, and like you just alluded to, Nick, yeah, we... if. I fully believe as well, if we had 11 men, we definitely would have won that game. Probably 2-0, kept a clean sheet. But we would have seen a lot of positives if we'd won. Obviously, you want the three points and we would have seen positives there. But I think that other side to the game that we've seen there, the spirit, the defensive work from all of those players that, that literally gave their all for that 45 minutes, that's almost more going forward for for the team in the future and that's that's uh, that's led to me saying saying comments like we could go and win it and it's and it's led to Dean saying we will win it so I think it's a really big turning point for the season and something we will definitely look back on hopefully yeah no exactly I think this is probably the first time we've seen a Chelsea team faced with that adversity you know especially on Thomas Tuchel and come for it and I say I draw the comparisons when we went down to 10 men against West Brom, we capitulated mm -hmm. and to how we managed that game against Liverpool um, yesterday. So, yeah, no, exactly. I think definitely for me is one point gained. Uh, Cheyenne, where do you rank Mendy in terms of best goalkeepers in the Premier League? Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, before we get into this, I think Mendy had some shaky moments with the, yesterday. I think a couple of times distribution of the ball wasn't quite, you know, as good. Obviously, he had his clanger with the goal, but credit to him, he made the saves. He did the most important thing, which was keep the ball out of the net, um, but obviously perhaps not his finest day, but still, you know, in the end, I guess, helps sort of recover from his earlier era. But Jack, where do you think Mendy sort of ranks in terms of best keepers in the Prem? Um, I, I was just going to say, yeah, I, he's always he's always suspect with the ball at his feet. You, you just think, oh, God, what's going to happen here? But after after the goal and, and the mix-up with Alonso, I think he commanded his area really well and pretty much caught every every single ball after that so completely fair play to him and then as we know his, his shot stoppings is is brilliant uh in terms of uh ranking in the premier league um 
it depends if you're saying form, etc. I think historically, well, I'd say Edison and Allison are still better goalkeepers than him. Historically, you'd say De Gea has done more than him, but at the moment, I wouldn't maybe necessarily say De Gea is better than him. I'd probably say he he's the third better, third best goalkeeper in the Prem. I think he's better than Lloris uh, and De Gea at the moment, but historically, you'd probably just put De Gea above him. So at the moment, I'd say third best in the league behind Edison and Allison. Fair enough, Dean. Where do you sort of rank Eddie Mendy? in terms of press keepers we end the league at the moment. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair from Jack. You know, it's weird because he's UEFA goalkeeper of the year. He's made some huge moments, but if he was asking me to pick sort of the top sort of five goalkeepers in Europe, he's not in that conversation. For me, I think the moments for shaking this, the fact that he can't really pass the ball um, to against him. And it's, it's weird because he's done so much for us, sort of what we went through with so Kepa's you know, crosses in confidence, you know, he looks sort of 100 times that player, but still I think the opportunity arose where they could have upgraded on him as they would have done with Donnarumma when he went to PSG. If they could have got him, I think they would have done. But I'm happy that he's in goal. Um, and I'm not asking them to take him out of goal, if that makes sense. But yeah, he's not the best goalkeeper in the Premier League or Europe, but he, he, he'll do. Yeah, no, no, I do think I do think also, like, obviously, I do think Mendy is a lot better on the ball than people do give him credit for. But we do also see, and it's been a bit of a curse, we saw against Villarreal in the Super Cup, a, a moment where his distribution was awful and led to a Villarreal chance. Yesterday, a couple of times, his distribution was a bit sus. But then again, I saw Kepa in pre-season against Bournemouth, and I was like, your distribution is meant to be one of the things you're best at. What am I watching here, Kepa? Sorry, this isn't turning into a Kepa slander session. We do love Kepa here. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think, you know, Mendy... Is a good keeper. That Champions League run, he was good. He was immense. What he did had to do. But yeah, I don't think he's the best in the best keeper in the Prem. But I think for the price we paid, you know how he sort of came sort of from the unknown. I think we have done very well there. And I I don't see an issue in the goalkeeper position. I don't obviously see it as a position we need to to move on. But no, I, I do think there are better keepers in the Prem. But we've got Eddie Mendy, and what I'm delighted we've got him, and he's a great character as well. So. Yeah, no complaints with, with Eddie there. Uh, next question. Abhijit, is Aspia certified gladiator? Um, <laughs> 300 Premier League appearance uh, for Chelsea. You know, he won. It was on his birthday as well. Um, Dean, Cesar Azpilicueta. I honestly think it's getting to the stage with him where we're talking. Obviously, if he wins the Club World Cup, he's won it all with Chelsea. But I honestly think we, we're getting to the stage now with Aspi where I honestly think we can talk about him sort of challenging, like, you know, the, the traditional sort of, top, you know, top five Chelsea legends, a.k.a. your Drogba, your Lampard, your Terry's, your Czechs, etc. He obviously might not be still at their level, but I think he's now sort of entering the discussion. But what are your thoughts on Aspi? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think definitely we should be you know, speaking about him in those terms. So I wrote him off sort of in CFC UK um, sort of, I can't remember what it was, but I think towards the end of Lampard's reign, that, you know, Rhys James sort of taken over on the right-hand side and, and centrally there wasn't a place for him anymore. And he's come back and, you know, proven me wrong that there's still life in the old dog yet. Um, he put in a captain's performance yesterday. Um, and what I loved about it was, you know, when he was marking Van Dijk at corners, he's not, you know, taking no nonsense from him. He's getting back up and in his face and making sure he can't get onto the ball. Uh, he won a huge free kick as well when, when Mane fouled him in the box from a free kick. Um, 
you know, 300 appearances and for 7 million, you know, what a signing he is. And he's played all over the defence. He gives his all for the club. You know, people were critical of his captaincy when things were going wrong. But I think he's represented the club, you know, incredibly and super proud to have him in the team and as part of the club. And if he stays till he retires, then I'll be happy, you know, he's around uh, and representing us because he, you know, he's superb and he's one of the players you think the club would, you know, have around you know, forever. Even after he stopped playing, he's someone that you want, you know, doing bits and pieces. You know, you talk about people that deserve statues, you know, in however many years, he's going to be a name that's going to be mentioned for sure. Yeah. Jack, anything to add to what Dean's brilliant sort of speech yeah, no, about? I think, I think Dean pretty much summed it up there. He's definitely, definitely a Chelsea legend. And for the, for the seven million uh, all those years ago, it was just an absolute steal. Uh, and yeah, just gives us all every single game. You know you're getting a 7 out of 10 performance, at least from him, every single week. Mr. Consistent, Mr. Reliable. Um, and yeah, he's he's definitely a Chelsea great and and challenging those those for the, those lot for the legend spot. And I'd hundred percent put him in our in our all time Chelsea eleven now for sure. Yeah, no, I agree for me. That's probably overtaken Brenner a right back as P. What a man! What a man! Um, <laughs> next question comes in from Sarvesh. How good was the Rudiger and Alonso link up? The way Rudiger had Alonso's back with ten men on field was amazing to watch. Alonso was actually supporting Lukaku up front, giving problems to Liverpool's defence. Uh, Dean, you know, at times, obviously, we did see, you know, Alonso, as we said, struggling the first half. But he did come back well second half. And as, as you mentioned, he was also, you know, helping out with our attacking side. And Rudiger did sort of ably cover him. So what did you sort of make of how Rudiger and Alonso worked on that left-hand side? Yeah, I thought this was going to be Chilwell's return this game, because just because of the pace that Liverpool have out, out wide. But, you know, Alonso is the man of the moment in that position. Um, uh, and having Rudiger behind him, with, you know, Rudiger's pace allows him to do the forward stuff that he loves to do. Um, you know, I thought it was sort of clever tactically for, from Tuchel to have Alonso as that man, sort of linking highest up with, with Lukaku, because Mount dropped, dropped into the midfield, basically, and it was Lukaku on his own. And Alonso is the one, you know, up there trying to, to make something happen. He's had a great start and no doubt, you know, another player that Tuchel's put in a system that can sort of hide some of his weaknesses and accentuate the good stuff. And, you know, that is the uncanny ability to score goals and, and do stuff in the final third you would expect from sort of a Havertz or a Mount or a Ziyech. Um, He's our highest goal scorer, isn't he, in, in the squad, in the Premier League, like all together with 25 goals. He's just one of the weirdest players ever, but <laughs> I love him. Yeah, Marcus Alonso is an enigma, but when you've got hair like he does and you score against Spurs and Arsenal, like, you, what isn't there to love? Well, I'll tell you who someone is not, maybe, you know, we were speaking about all being really positive. Dwayne, totally mad we didn't get the three points we looked like getting with 11 men. What's your thoughts on Marcus Alonso? Damn, well, you know, one person was obviously not happy, but Dwayne, Dwayne is a, a regular listener and asked good questions, I'll be, you know, um, interested to get your guys' thoughts. You know, we kind of touched on it earlier, but, you know, so I do... Thoughts on Marcus Alonso? You, I know we sort of just touched, but he is the enigma. You know, I, I, I'll be honest. That first half, I was thinking, right, this is the this is the, this is the Marcus Alonso annual poor game that probably you know accelerates Chilwell's return into the team. But then when we when we see that second half comeback from him, and he was immense. So Jack, um, 
thoughts on on Marcus Alonso? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we all know defending is uh, not his strongest uh, asset. Uh, far from it. But when we've gone down to ten men in that second half, thought defensively he was brilliant and and attacking going forward because. I think if we'd had Chilwell there, especially the second half with 10 men, we would have had absolutely nothing going forward at all. Um, so he was definitely up there and and helping getting us get us further up the pitch and helping to create some chances where we could have could have actually scored. So um I I, I thought he had a good game to be honest overall. Um yeah, you can say he might have been a bit shaky first half, but you're playing Liverpool at the end of the day, um, and they'll they've been one of the best teams in the in the Premier League for the last three or four seasons. So, um, yeah, no, I, I was I was happy with his performance overall, but I was I was exactly like Dean. I thought going into the game, I thought Chilwell would have started, but clearly he's probably not quite fit yet. Uh, having that whole summer off, the last time he's played, uh, I think he probably played in that friendly against Weymouth, but the last time he's played a competitive game was the Champions League final. So, um, yeah, he, hopefully he'll get some some minutes soon. But I think we, we've got two two players there that are con- both very capable and uh, we're looking strong in that, in that full-back position on the left. Yeah, so these are just sort of up. How nice is it to see Marcus Alonso actually start the season, you know, really well? And it, it sort of got to the point where it's allowed us to sort of ease Chilwell in. Now, obviously, you know, there's the international break. He's not got called up by England, so I'll give Tuchel some time with him. But the fact is that, you know, the League Cup starting soon, there will be opportunities to ease Chilwell in. But the fact is that we're starting Alonso in, you know, in some of the biggest games as well. And, you know, we feel, you know, on the whole, fairly comfortable and safe with him. Yeah, Tuchel's used him a few times. You know, his height obviously helps when you're playing against big teams to have someone else in the box with, with a presence. Obviously, when we're playing with win-backs, he's, he's got protection from, you know, the midfield and from Rudy behind him. So, you know, you can sort of limit sort of the exposure to him. And, you know, I felt in the game that Liverpool's best stuff was down our right side. And, and Reese James was caught out a few times defensively and I wasn't worried about the left-hand side. Um, you know, it's strange, but people see games in different ways and they see things perhaps you you don't see or turn a blind eye to maybe, but the way I saw it, it was pretty solid. He, you know, created stuff for us going forward and Liverpool and, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't really do much on that right-hand side, in my opinion. All Liverpool stuff was coming down that reached James Flank and I think that all stopped when he got sent off and Aspie went out there. Liverpool didn't really create anything and if they did it it came centrally so you know I don't understand the question or agree with it yeah now nah, fair enough obviously I don't know when I was saying maybe I was still a bit of frustration but we'd only drawn but yeah no I don't think it was I I, I get obviously some frustration but as we mentioned I, I wouldn't be mad about that a draw to Liverpool is always a good result and yeah that was that was a good good performance and yeah Mark Alonso was was good yesterday um, right, that's all questions done. So that's the end of this week's episode. But before we go, as always with guests, I'm going to give Dean one last chance to give himself a plug and tell people about When to Mokings Meadow podcast. Because obviously, ladies and gentlemen, the WSL starts on Friday and Chelsea are involved at the weekend against Arsenal. While Chelsea may be, well, the Chelsea men's team may be away and the international break is on. If you're not that fussed about England, 
because you only care about major tournaments, then why don't you watch the women's team play in the WSL, which starts? So, Dean, tell people about your pod for one final time, went to Mo King's Meadow, where they can find it, etc. And, yeah, what to expect from it. Yeah, so the pod you can find as part of the Chelsea Fancast, you need to subscribe to them wherever you get your podcast from and you'll find the episodes in there. Uh, we've got a Patreon site, which is you know, patreon.com forward slash went to Kings Meadow. Uh, we've got you know some exclusive stuff on there. So if you want to support the show that way, you can. So it's interviews with some players' parents about you know, their, you know, the players growing up and getting into football and signing for Chelsea. So there's some good stories there. Uh, as Nick said, the season starts this Friday, but Chelsea play on Sunday against Arsenal. They're playing at the Emirates. Uh, if you live locally, like in London, I think it's a £5 ticket. Um, and you can go to the Emirates and, and watch Chelsea play, uh, looking to defend defend the WSL title. So it's going to be an interesting year. Obviously, they got to the Champions League final last year and were you know, humiliated, I think is a nice way to put it, against Barcelona. Uh, they're going to look to go one better. It's going to be you know, a really interesting year because the growth in the WSL has been phenomenal this this summer. You know, teams have spent you know some some big amounts of money on, on players. So you know, the English league's getting stronger, and the more people that are sort of involved, season tickets sold out for, for Chelsea this year at Kings Meadow. Uh, there's still obviously tickets available for games, but they sell out pretty quick these days. So you know, maybe listening to Went to Kings Meadow is the best way to experience the team, uh, which is a bit biased on me to say, but there we are. But yeah, also, you know, any men's stuff is on the fan cast, uh, CFC UK, and you know, if you want to relive some previous Chelsea years, I have my book, Cold Fiction, uh, as well, available on Amazon. And I've got some copies at home, so, you know, message me. Yeah, exactly. Cult Fiction, a book about Maurizio Sarri, ladies and gentlemen, one of the most decisive people on Chelsea Twitter. So if you want to get Dean's, you know, balanced take on all that, then, yeah, make sure you get a book off Amazon. They said, yeah, the WSLs now, now they've actually sort of got, the games on Sky, so they actually, so perhaps you know where games weren't as accessible before, or they weren't as known about some. Of the, the games are now being shown perhaps on more mainstream uh, TV sort of platforms. So yeah, definitely make sure you give them a watch. And yeah, obviously make check out the Wentimo Kings Meadow podcast for all your Chelsea women's content. They're probably one of the main guys that focuses solely on the women's team. So yeah, obviously check them out. Give Dean and Jane all your support there. And obviously check out the Chelsea fancast because also we saw mention referees earlier. I'm sure this fancast with Jonathan Kidd and Stamford Chidge will definitely get into Mr. Anthony Taylor and his refereeing decisions. So make sure you check that out. Um, as for us, we're on Twitter at that Chelsea pod. We're on Instagram at that Chelsea pod. If you're on Twitter, as always, if you want to like and retweet the episodes to help get us out there, that goes a long way with the end of the day. We're all just Chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love. And, you know, when we get to, well, Feels like a win, but, you know, we just enjoy talking about the games with fellow fans like Dean. So, yeah, make us sure you check us out. And I'll say if you enjoy the pod, you know, leave us a, a rating and review on our podcast. It really is much appreciated. But until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.